Well, there's nothing more heartbreaking than bringing joy to sick children. <laughs> I think <laughs> HIV is the David Beckham of diseases. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I'm a safe word. Test sucks, right? Oh, it would. You need to stop. This is becoming uncomfortable for you. It hurts. Should we? We should establish a safe word. Just say John Lovitz. <laughs> From the smallest room in New York City comes a show that gives you a reason to live. Bizarre attempted abduction in Bensonhurst. A mom of two, three, and six. Approached by an Asian woman, quote, with an odd grin. No word on how they could tell she was grinning beneath her surgical mask. Stole that joke. I think it was Confucius who said, never trust a grinning Asian. I think he said it right after he met the Buddha. He stole one of his cones. (laughs) She took the hand of the stranger's daughter, a three-year-old. No word on the toddler's facial expression. Began to calmly walk away down the street. You've heard of killing with kindness. This is kidnapping with kindness. A quote from the Daily News. She only made it a few paces before the mom raced over, grabbed the child back from the kook. That's right, I said kook. Mom called 911. She played it cool, but then she walked off before police arrived. Not to get away. She was just chasing a bird. (laughs) Well, if you know the identity and whereabouts of this mentally disabled China gal... Tell her the local police precinct is a secret candy factory operated by kittens. Call 1-800-577-TIPS and all calls will be kept confidential. Joining me now, Ryan Katsu Rivera. Hello, Pat. How are you? Good. You're part Asian, right? That's correct. Yeah, half. Probably the Katsu part. That's right. That was the tip-off. That and your squinty eyes. That's my inferior half. The other side is really good genetically. Puerto Rican... Mm-hmm. Mm, just a great upstanding race of people right there well i mean they have a parade and, <laughs> and they're and they're festive and and there's a lot of puerto ricans here in new york city i think they're part of what gives new york city the flavor that it has flavor baby you are a big part of the uh of the of the feel of new york city i think That's right, man. you're you're good people uh ryan uh, you. you know you've uh, done the show a number of times you're asian pat dixon mm-hmm. you're asian uh, uh gavin McInnes. yes and 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 your laker is great too thanks uh, thank you pat <laughs> i love laker dude. he's awesome he's i it's it, it never would have occurred to me a laker laker's very impressed with the laker impression yeah so uh how about this lady huh I think um, she's creepy as fuck, but I actually did a little research on this, and there's um, I've heard about this before too. There's a folklore, like a what do, what do you call that? Like a old wives' tale, or what's like a like creepy, a myth, like a myth? Yeah, like an urban legend. There urban legend, okay. Of this chick, and uh, in Europe they call it the angel smile, so it's creepy that it smiled too. But in Japan, uh, kuchisake ona, and. Uh, she goes around and she cuts people and she asks you what she looks like. So she goes up to you and she says, do I look pretty? And if you say yes, then she follows you around. Oh. And uh, it's kind of creepy, but she she wears red to cover the blood, it says, too. So this this lady was wearing black and red checkers as well, so oh. I'm seeing stuff. So this this is uh this urban legend is, is an Asian woman who walks around and asks you if uh, you think she's pretty mm. and then if you think she's pretty she follows you around that's correct oh that's horrible if you if you say Spooky. that she's not if you say no she's just gonna kill you instantly mm. and the weapon varies but it's most likely uh, a weapon that slits your mouth so it's, it slits your mouth yeah and if you say yes she take she takes a weapon slits your mouth just like hers but there's an escape you can mess with her mind and when you answer her you are normal or average and then she has to think about that, and it gives you time to run away. <laughs> you can give her candy, like most women like candy. You give it to her to throw her off for a little bit, and then you have to run while she eats it. Wow. I'm not making that up. That, that it, it, <laughs> And the more you describe it, the more it does sound like, it's like a mental disability of yes. some sort. Give her candy, and she, while she's preoccupied, run. Tell her you're average, and then when she's thinking about the meaning of average, you run. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can... I. 
one year we did a, a, a show on New York City Crime Report. We talked about Valentine's Day mm-hmm. differences in our and, and one of the customs is in Japan they have uh, obligation chocolates, <laughs> which women bring. That's what they're called. I, and I can't remember, but they have to bring them for the whole office. Wow. And they bring obligations. And I thought that is a much more honest name yeah. for, for everything that you give on Valentine's Day. In the most desperate place on earth, Times Square, lights, action, cut. A man stabbed in the neck during a fight outside Dwayne Reed on 42nd Nate. You know, there's only nine billion of them in the city. Dwayne Reed. It started inside the drugstore. 36-year-old victim and two guys argued over who knows. What do you argue with a stranger about in a Dwayne Reed? Dwayne Reed, yeah. A line cutting situation? First thing I thought of, yeah. Grabbed the last bottle of Head and Shoulders. <laughs> Around 2.40 a.m. it was when the victim stepped outside. One of the men approached him, stabbed him in the neck. How annoying must this victim be that a brief run-in and someone thinks, I just got to stab this guy in the In neck. a heavily surveilled area, too. Like, you know you're not getting away with that. You know what? He's still at large. Wow. Suspect fled up 8th Avenue. <laughs> Sleepy little... uh street there and the victim was seriously injured hmm. has a long criminal history which means we don't have to feel bad for him that's true yeah got what he deserved <laughs> long history of line cutting in Dwayne reeds he had some arrests in his past you got cut in the middle of the street the other day i did that's another uh that's another funny thing about you is i don't think i've ever known anybody who just got attacked in the street and cut yeah it's not wasn't quite a slashing though was it no it was i think it was a blunt object stab but i realized that later on during the night i thought that i had done the the worst damage to myself i ran into a pole so he knocked me down i stood up i faced him and he was about to run away so i was like okay this he was fucking definitely insane like Mm. he was he was a feral dude so i got back up and i faced him and you said feral like feral feral. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah okay he, uh, just a, a like a wild rabid. Uh, yeah stinky yes. oh he stunk his clothes were dirty I smelled bad after that attack <laughs> <laughs> you know how the train car like, get on sometimes it'll like oh man and you can't get off and get on another one you just sit there at it and then after a minute or two you're like oh yeah that's I kind of like it now I smell like that too and <laughs> you, you, you sit in that filth well this guy bumped into you right and and and, he, mm. and so you think like oh you ran into a pole trying to get away from this this filthy feral beggar feral rabid beggar yeah he's asking you for money right well no you didn't we didn't uh, exchange any words whatsoever i started running to my train so i'm like right on the street next so to this guy just station. collided with you yeah, well, he, out of nowhere he was chasing with me he was chasing me he was in pursuit i started running towards my train realizing i was late and uh, i'll never give her credit but my girlfriend said you better get to your train early and i was like no nah, i'm gonna stop by the studio and fucking so I'm on my way back there. I'm running to my train. And then he probably thinks that I took something from him or I was going to run and tell the cops on him. He's fucking nut. So he sees me running. He's like, oh, I got to chase him. So he chases me. And then. So, wow. Just running attracted yeah. a, attracted pursuit. Right. Wow. Okay. And then, he, it, it, then he grabbed like the handle of my backpack or my neck. So I thought that I got stabbed in the neck. But I realized he had actually like kind of uppercut jabbed me in my uh, like beneath my right shoulder blade. So around my backpack, got me in there. And I fell to the ground, got to my feet, and uh, he was running towards me again. And I didn't know why. I thought he was going to gra- like attack me. He grabbed a beer that fell out of my six-pack that I dropped. When I found, and then he ran away. Uh, that was probably his object the whole time. Maybe. Get, I mean, like, or maybe it was just a, a thing of opportunity. Right. Wow. That's, uh, have you seen the guy back? I mean, you see these same I guys do. over and over again. I swear to God, I thought I saw him today. Mm. Almost positive. Um, he was just rambling to himself it sounded like a stereo he was so loud he was like motherfucker shit i don't know what the fucking shit <laughs> i was like dude that's the guy tracy morgan robbed you if uh, tracy morgan robbed, i got pregnant pat from that encounter <laughs> that's uh that voice uh, i've seen a guy like that and i wonder if that's that same guy i've seen that guy wandering around in chelsea sometimes and he's constantly talking like that and yeah. it's loud not too old but around 45. Yeah. Yeah. But still looks like in good shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black don't crack. You're afraid of him. You know, he, he's he's fearsome because yeah. he's just so angry. Right. That's, wow, that's the real thing. That's him. Uh, but the funny thing is, is uh, I case the joint or case the, I just like that phrase. Joint follows case the. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Naturally. Me and uh, two undercover or one of them was in like a suit and the other one was just a completely undercover look like Sean Penn's brother, Chris Penn. We, we walked around the area with like, me and two detectives 
and we thought we saw the guy, but we couldn't be 100% sure. And they were like, we can't even take him in because he's fucking insane. Like, the DA is going to be like, what'd you do? You took in a, a lunatic, you know? It's a, it's an interesting thing. I guess mm-hmm. if, you, if you get to a certain point of crazy, visible crazy, then you are... Exempt from the law. Oh, that is... <laughs> well, I mean... I guess it's sort of a last resort sort of a plan, you know? Right. I mean, if, if you feel like pulling the chute on this whole living a regular life thing, you can just live outside the law by being a little crazier than you ought to be. Yep. Like a Juilliard-trained classical violinist. Nice. A Juilliard-trained classical violinist getting sued by his ex-girlfriend, a Juilliard-trained porn star. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you got to go to Juilliard to suck dick. The 28-year-old adult film actress now wants... $12 million. This is worst case scenario almost from an ex. She's asking for $12 because of physical abuse, mental trauma, and she says he forced her to drink his urine. $12 million seems a bit steep. For drinking. Is to drink a lot of piss. You know? Are you, you ever you get into water sports like Piano Girl? <laughs> Is that what they call it? Yeah. No. Have you ever you ever urinated on a woman? No. I Come call, on, Ryan. It's called the action park. <laughs> um, no, I've never done that. Wait, maybe in the shower, just as a joke. Hey, you got some on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, that's where it starts, <laughs> <laughs> and usually where it ends. It doesn't really progress. No. Like you know, like uh, if you do anything else, just you got all that cleanup. Yeah. It's good if you ha- even hardwood floor is not good because it soaks in. <laughs> if you have dogs, you know what I'm talking about. You uh, you will have a, a place that smells like urine. Now, if you have like a, a a linoleum floor, I think you can you can say lay down in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm gonna piss on you there. I don't know, but I think she needs to be cooperative if she's gonna. Mm. How do you make somebody drink the urine? Yeah. I'd like to know how. What kind of forcing is that? Yeah, I don't understand. Hold Maybe you, <laughs> you're gonna drink it. <laughs> Maybe you just blow at it like like instead of calm, you just. Piss in her mouth. Oh yeah, that, mm. like he made he pissed in my mouth. That was cum. My cum is real thin, and there's like half a quart of it. <laughs> it's very viscousy. I'm a squirter. Maybe he was embarrassed. He couldn't, you know, uh, perform that night. He could get the load out, and he faked an orgasm. Us guys are very used to faking the orgasm. Oh sure, yeah, I, f- I fake orgasms all the time. I, f- yeah. I, I can't tell you when a woman's actually made me cum because I'm just always faking it. <laughs> yeah, because you just probably wrap it up. You know, you want her to feel like a big stud. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I made you proud, Daddy. That's well, here's line. the thing. The plaintiff is better known as Kendall Carson. That's with two Ks. She's appeared in a long list of adult features, including Mothers Teaching Daughters How to Suck Cock, 15. <laughs> My First Lesbian Experience, 3. Which there's something funny about that to me. The numbers? My First Lesbian Experience, <laughs> 3. <laughs> and, uh, and, of course, uh, who could forget OMG... It's the Duck Dynasty Triple X parody. That's the name of it. That's, this wow, is the dude. porno movie that almost no one was in a hurry to see. And what an awkward title. I mean, it's the Duck Dynasty. You couldn't think of a rhyme? Right. <laughs> you I couldn't work was... a rhyme into Duck Dynasty? OMG. I get, they tried so hard, though. <laughs> yeah. That one went straight to uh, DP. What's DP? Double penetration pattern. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh! I thought you were. I thought you were talking straight to video or something. Yeah. Omg! It's the Duck Dynasty, and and so it's they. Here's what it is. They go. Let's we'll see. Here's these guys with beards. They own a business where they sell duck calls down in Monroe, Louisiana. Well, this just has to be turned into a porn. <laughs> it's a very natural transition. I mean, yes, yeah, she claims that her world class. Violinist X, 35-year-old David Garrett, who earned... This guy is has got a pretty impressive resume. He earned the title of world's fastest violinist Whoa. when he played Flight of the Bumblebee in 66 seconds in 2008. Uh, the, the prize for world's fastest violinist is a fiddle made of gold. For real? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but you have to risk your soul, and the devil's involved. The previous record uh, for Flight of the Bumblebee was a little longer. Uh, known as uh, this guy, by the way, <laughs> David Garrett, known as the David Beckham of classical music. That's real. That's real. Okay. It's mentioned in the story that he is known as <laughs> the David Beckham of classical music. Of course, the David Beckham of rock music, Bono. The David Beckham of podcasting, Joe Rogan. <laughs> what do you think? David Beckham of companies. 
of companies. Apple, oh, right? I, I was going to say Pepsi. Oh, <laughs> David Beckham of boxing. Uh, David Beckham. Sugar Ray Leonard. Gotcha. David Beckham of sandwiches. Um, uh, Arby's. Turkey and Swiss with bacon on a roll. Are you making this up? No, this is these are all. <laughs> this is established. Come on, the David Beckham of holidays, Christmas. Yes, nice. that's right. Yeah. Uh, David Beckham, David Beckham of assassinations. JFK. That's exactly right. Mm, David Beckham of movies. Bend it like Beckham. No, Goodfellas. Okay, good Goodfellas. Yes, uh, David Beckham of days of the week. Wednesday. You tried too hard. Friday. <laughs> the David Beckham of clothing is a straight leg designer jeans and slim cut dress shirt ensemble. The David Beckham of sexual positions, kind of a propped missionary. Uh, David Beckham of soccer. Turns out it's <laughs> Lionel Messi. It's a, what is now, this world that we live in here? It, it's a bizarre one. Now, I, I Googled David Beckham. Uh, mm. I, I looked at the top result. The article just out today, and I want to tell you about it. This is a Daily Mail from the UK. David mm. Beckham has revealed his heartache as he brought joy to children the same age as his own in Swaziland who have been infected by HIV. Mm. Well, there's nothing more heartbreaking than bringing joy to sick children. <laughs> I think <laughs> HIV is the David Beckham of diseases. <laughs> Uh, pictures show the former England captain laughing and joking with starstruck youngsters in the community of Makiwu in the southern African nation. Laughter, of course, the normal reaction to heartache. The 41-year-old Three Lions great said visiting vulnerable children affected by AIDS and drought was made all the more painful by his being a father himself. Well, whose fault is that? <laughs> David Beckham. Uh, David Garrett, known as the David Beckham of classical music, Beckham very much the David Garrett of visiting <laughs> sick kids with AIDS. Porn actress Kendall Carson, the David Beckham of porn, she's appeared in titles like Paste My Face, 33, <laughs> Real Slut Party, 16, Mean Cuckold, 3. Boy, Mean Cuckold 2 was quite a fucking... Yes. Mommy, You and Me Make 3. Is another movie she appeared in. Now she says in her Manhattan civil suit that Garrett, David Garrett, asked her to marry him and just days after he paid her for sex in August 2014. Hmm. So he's a romantic. Okay. And an idiot. <laughs> yeah. He's a very impulsive guy. Right. I mean, he plays Flight of the Bumblebee in 66 seconds. Of course, he's not going to court you forever. Right. He ain't got time <laughs> for that bullshit. He's the fastest violinist on earth. Mother and daughter, cocksucking contest for another movie she was in she was in tight sweet teen pussy too oh i like that one yeah i i gotta say out of all those titles that one scares me the least yeah this next one is called i'm just naming these are all, all titles I, that she's <laughs> appeared in these movies i do research for this show wanna fuck my daughter gotta fuck me first 16 young sprung and full of cum now she swallowed a portion of the fiddler's tinkle, <laughs> according to the twelve million dollar lawsuit. Now, this guy's lawyers say uh, we didn't even receive anything. This chick's a liar or something. We have not received any lawsuit from you, Dan. Though her willingness to publicly level these meritless charges fits with the pattern of behavior of someone who has made numerous threats to David. End quote. Take from that what you will. She's a liar. That's what they say. And probably a cunt. <laughs> well, now, this is a beautiful woman. We, we had a photo of her. Uh, and now, I can't believe how close I was to all these facts yeah. as we did the show, uh, NYC Crime Report on the Compound Media uh, you know, Network. And, and I was showing this picture. And she's just a hot girl mm. in, in her underwear and shit. And I was, like, fingering her picture in the newspaper. Like, you know. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, because yeah. yeah, I'm a journalist, you know, and... The, that's what you do <laughs> well uh and i didn't even notice that like oh this story is about piss and her drinking it right. <laughs> do you see the appeal of that making a girl drink your piss i guess some kind of dominance there i mean i could i could see it i guess you do really have to be rich i feel like that's a rich thing to do yeah yeah or like a violent a fast violinist thing to do i wonder who was playing on the violin probably an r kelly song hello <laughs> and see it <laughs> 
I like that one. Thank you. That's a that's, that's a clever one. Uh, I like the way you encapsulate it too. I'm sure like it's time to move on. <laughs> Don't get hung up on that. I'm having a sip. You know who does that is Kevin Downey yes, Jr. Yeah, that is his. Uh, that is, is it, were you doing a Kevin yeah, Downey exactly, Jr. Yeah. You 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 and the impressions. You got Tommy Lee Jones, which I've never been impressed with. Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> and Mike, it's a little better. Yeah. Slick, you're not part of the man in black. That is M-I-E-N. It's on the E, really. <laughs> hey, the new roll- rollback of quality life crimes has been passed by the city council. It awaits the mayor's signature to make it official. Now, the Criminal Justice Reform Act helps criminals by eliminating criminal penalties for a number of quality of life crimes, including drinking booze out of a paper bag. I know you love that. Mm. Lurking in parks after hours. That's more of a me thing. Urinating in the street. Well, you know, who does that? And noise code violations. Offenders will face only civil summonses instead of criminal citations. This bill, uh, law, whatever it is at this point, was passed uh, 40 to 9. It says in the liberal-leaning council, it aims to keep offenders from having a permanent criminal record. Because uh, why should somebody have a permanent criminal record? Just because they're out, you know, they get caught breaking the law. Yeah. Why should there be a record of that? I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, on the one hand, I don't see any reason why if you jump a turnstile, you should fucking spend a weekend in jail. Wow. On the other hand, uh, you know, it should be an option in case they want to, <laughs> you know, like maybe they don't like you, you know? Right. Uh, how do you feel about it? Do you ever piss outside? Um, I think I've been in, let me see. I have, but the, the thing is I live upstate New York. It's like an hour and a half away from me. It's so, it's like suburbs, so you get to really piss anywhere you want, and if anybody catches you, they already know the deal. They're like, deers piss all over everything. They mm-hmm. piss in our gardens where we eat our, our vegetables, so they don't really care, as long as you pick a responsible spot. But in the city, it's a different story. You know, one time I was taking a leak behind a gas station. I, it already felt bad, and this one of the neighbors of the gas station ran over and yelled at me. And he's like, my fucking daughter's over there, and she got to see your pecker. He was fucking stone cold Steve Austin, dude. He looked just like him. Mm. I, was, I was like, I'm about to get stunned. So you're like, damn right, you're going to look at my pecker. Look at it. Bring <laughs> her out here, she can suck it. I am- <laughs> oh <my laughs> That's what I just said. I don't take any shit off guys like that, yeah. man. I was like, bring your daughters out here to lick my fucking <laughs> balls. That's the way I talk to dudes like that. And they back right down every time. You know, I didn't picture it that way, but... Well, I don't... Here's the thing about taking a piss outside. Right. I think Gavin McKenna, I don't have to keep bringing him up, but he, he had a, a video about like how to correctly take a piss outside, and that's... Mm. That does not surprise me. <laughs> because, like, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like... Look, taking a piss outside is not... It, it should never be required. It should never be like... And, and look, all they're trying to do... Now, this is from the Post. I want to I catch up on some of this... Uh, friggin' uh, reporting here. Mm. Councilman Richie Torres, okay, here's what he thinks. He voted in favor of the bills, and he urged hysterical critics to reconsider how criminal records uh, picked up over minor offenses could hobble young minorities, quote, access to financial aid and higher education. He says these essential elements of a decent life can be easily blighted by the lingering stigma of a criminal record. Well, we want young people to know that if they feel they need to go pee-pee, (laughs) <laughs> and they're playing outside. They don't want to come inside and use the potty. They can just take their dick out with confidence, piss in full view, and if a mean old policeman comes around and wants to make a thing out of it. I mean, you're drinking out of a bag. You're taking a leak in the street. This cop comes up to you being racist, and all you can think is, how is this going to affect my chances of getting financial aid? Because <laughs> a lot of people don't go to college, you know, because this is why more people of color don't go to college. It's draconian public urination laws. That's right. And show me the guy who, who couldn't get financial aid because of a public urination arrest. I don't believe it. That's right. I can't pass the bar because I do a good tinkle. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, what if they decide to run for public office? Mm. What if they want to be a councilman themselves? And they like, you, you fucking, you keep pissing outside and drinking and right. your, your music's too loud. Well, there's a theory that laws like this are enforced disproportionately against minorities. And some people strongly believe it to the point where it's just like, it's just a fact that it's disproportionately enforced now. Let's talk about it. True or false? People, white people, okay? Like myself. You're you're Asian. I'm white. And you're also Latino. Yes. You're, you know, so you're pretty good, you know, you cover a couple of things. White people uh, seem uptight Mm. in relation to black people. That's true, right? Maybe a little bit. A little bit. And I can understand that. White people care about everything. (laughs) They really do. It's like... (laughs) 
in a broadly comic sense, like with the foundation and reality, you know, white white guys are like self-conscious and stiff right. and they're just not very cool. Like it's speaking to women, you know? I've been doing comedy 20 years. I've, I've seen a lot of stand-up, right? Mm-hmm. Now, females, when they do stand-up comedy, they used to be honest. And they would. there was kind of a standard female bit that comics would do. They'd say, black guys are confident. They see you like, girl, you're fine. Yeah. And we're like, oh, really? And white guys say, you're pretty. We're like, shut up, I'm not. They're like, oh, sorry. <laughs> that's real, yeah. That's a standard bit, right? Right, that's standard, yeah. And it's so... That's how how hacky that fact is. So did you notice? Did you notice how quickly that catcalling shit went away? Yeah, what the whole outrage on it? Yeah, stuff like that? it was yeah. a big deal. Two thousand fourteen. That video was silly too. Yeah, it didn't prove anything. You're beautiful. God bless you. Oh, that's so horrible. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, and that's <laughs> yeah. the that's the standard thing. And they that too, acted was. like it was a fucking like a, like they walked up and just spat in their face. Right. Well, it went away because. Um, holla back as some kind of anti-street harassment group or whatever and the guy rob bliss made the video of the woman walking down the street getting yelled at and then uh, but there weren't any white guys you know because it's not oh shit you know what i mean it's not entirely a racial thing of course Mm -hmm. it's more like you know it's certain occupations i think it's construction workers or garbage men or something like that a lot of times and there's like random civilians or whatever you know like um in her case, she was walking around in neighborhoods that were, I guess, predominantly not white. Mm-hmm. It'd be weird if you had like people like surgeons. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, baby, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I have a lot of money. You know, it would right. be the cat call. You know, like hey, you look good, but I, but I'm rich. Right, different means. Pretty to even that. here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and 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 do you cat call? No, but you know what though, like. Th- I noticed that that that's just the true fact, though. They're more open with with that period. Mm. You know, um, I actually just heard something. Well, it's not even my story, but I heard that uh, Patrice O'Neill would would just be like really good with just like he'll pop out of a building and then just start talking to chicks. And I think Norton was mentioning that, and he just started. But I, I noticed friends of mine. Mm-hmm. Back to a point that I could actually relate to. Yeah, is that uh, yeah they're way more open, and there's just there's no like. Uh, getting juiced up to do that it just kind of flies out and it's I, culture it's not it, race it's culture yeah i've seen white like wigger dudes do that too so sure and i'm I, i'm not that i'm pretty reserved yeah and uh and so like I, I i think i fall into that category of being like kind of like a you know it's it's not about fear but it's maybe self-consciousness or like of you know it's just it doesn't come naturally to me respect <laughs> you know just i'm not i'm not even going to go that far right. because i don't think what they do is i don't think what they're doing is usually disrespectful yeah, you're right. and i don't think that uh i'm I, I there's nothing respectful about you know sitting back and just trying to look up their skirts which is what i do <laughs> i'm probably i'm a little more creepy than respectful but like at least i'm quiet and that's just a personality thing it's mm-hmm. cultural maybe i don't know what the hell but like, like this is what this guy wrote he said he said we got a fair amount because the, the, they were complaining about how come there's no white guys yeah you know what? You know why? You know walking in white neighborhoods. And uh, this is all from 2014. But there's a point. Mm. He said we got a fair amount of white guys, but for whatever reason, a lot of what they said was in passing or off camera, or was ruined by a siren or other noise. The final oh. product, he writes, is not a perfect representation of everything that happened. It was a very, you know, he just kind of gave up. Because, uh, wow. I mean, he didn't want to be called racist. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, uh, if he said something like a. Uh, white guys don't do this then like you know and of course you can't be liberal and perfect enough someone someone is going to have a problem so even white people with some bluster are averse to conflict with authority i think Mm -hmm. and here's where uh, that comes in handy uh not getting caught pissing in public Mm -hmm. because like i would fucking shit my pants if i got caught pissing i'd shit my pants yeah (laughs) yeah i really think i would I would go from a one to a two. It would double my problems. <laughs> I would I would assume probably I would definitely rather piss my pants than get, than get arrested. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. You just don't have to deal with all that shit. Just walk home. And if I think the police are going to catch me, you're in. And, and here's the other thing. How hard is it not to get caught? Mm. If, if you really, really try, like, mm. okay, I want to make sure not to get caught. You know, you look around everywhere. And I know you may be usually drunk or something, but like just. Know what you can get away with. Right. How long does it take to piss? Less than a minute. That, that's totally true. And, and then for some reason, like, uh, well, I guess you're not jerking off in public, but you, as guys, we have this sense of like, if I jerk off here, I think I'd be safe. 
jerk off. Yeah. You know, like Whoa. in your house, you got you got three <laughs> security guards that you're related to and gave birth to you. Uh, I have three parents, Pat. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and you're like, I think I'm safe to jerk off here. So I'm going to go back to the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Police observe you pissing in the street. This is my theory. It's because you, you don't give a damn. Right. And I think, I mean, they're not setting up stings, mm-hmm. trying to catch more people. Like trying to catch public urinators, free cold beer as long as you stay outside, right? You know. So you're saying these people are just go- like uh, they're they're doing it brazenly. I think that they are not afraid of getting caught. Right. It's- I think that they um, also don't. I think it's also perhaps important not to give the impression that they're afraid of getting caught. Hmm. And I think that uh, and I think that that's what the law is about. More, more, more than it's more than it's about the piss on the street. Uh, it's about the not giving a damn. Right. I, I think that I'm so uptight mm-hmm. that even to have my dick out in a fucking alley, or I, I mean, and I and I do see white people piss in the street as well. And I guess it's it has a lot to do with um just what kind of dude you are, I guess. Yeah. But it's always men, almost always men. That's I mean, completely you know, true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like our girls are. A girl's usually got to be at least in a parking garage. Although you'll see them occasionally just right. just like fucking squat down and pull their underwear, put their thumbs, and just, I don't know. Yeah. And that, that <laughs> it's yeah. hot. Sure, it's hot. But that is a true enemy of society right there. Yeah, girls know. only really swallow pee when they're forced to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, not everyone was in favor of this reform. Uh, we don't want people to think it's okay to urinate in public, said Councilman Steve Mateo from uh, where else but the Forgotten Borough. He said, uh, we want there to be real consequences because there's a big difference between a criminal fine and a civil fine. The police commissioner, Bill Bratton, said, I got what I wanted for my officers in the legislation. They retain the right in every instance to make an arrest if appropriate. Now, hmm. You're kidding yourself, though. Hmm. You're just kidding yourself, Bratton. That's what's going on. You don't think they're going to follow through with the arrest and stuff? They're going to be like, oh, no, I can't. I, don't, I won't do it. I think the plan is to just like, you know avoid it as much as possible mm-hmm. i think that that's uh and i think that he's going to stick to that and i, I mean like they, they look it's there if we need it but when, when are you gonna need it what's the difference in one piss and another piss if somebody's right. not like you know making a big deal out of it mm. maybe some people do i don't know i mean maybe if you take a piss and you're like uh facing away from the building you know <laughs> <It's> <laughs> your protocol. You're, yeah but your your back is like against the building and you're pissing out into the like yeah. you know like in, you have to be squatting or in a fetal position if there's an arc to corner. your stream that you can actually see <laughs> lighting up in the street light, you know, right? Um, if you're if you're pissing directly onto a homeless person, you know what? I, but th- that kind of uh, all right. So I come down to the city and then I visit, but and then sometimes you really do have to take a piss. And if you're not a customer of a place, you have to you have to buy something to use the bathroom. Usually, it's hard to find a bathroom. And like, if you got to take a piss, you got to take a piss. It's kind of like a real problem, though. I've, I've thought about pissing since I've been down here. Well, okay. So, give me an example of a situation where you where, and, and I'll tell you the way I would handle it. So, all right, like I just left Starbucks, so that was my little, uh, that was my little uh, sanctuary of like, you know, I, I get Wi-Fi, I could plug my phone in there, I could take a piss. So mm-hmm. I just left that, and then you know, I'd have to walk into another establishment. So I have to piss you, really bad at this but, point. But but you just left a place with a toilet. I would have pissed before I left. That's true. Just before you leave. Be a big boy and go pee pee. I'm just like, oh, I want to pee pee here. <laughs> what about cockies? That's a problem. There's See? no public bathrooms to use. That's the other thing. Mm. How is that so different? Right. I mean, if we're gonna let people take their dicks out, yeah. Why not let them? Their bum bums. Make a big poop, <laughs> and, and and that's what it's gonna come down to. As you can, but you're gonna have to bag it, and it's right. gonna be just like we're dogs. Clean up after your right. Cleaning up after your own filthy ass. Taking a dump in the middle of the street. How did it come to this? I was talking to a guy today, and he said it's definitely gotten worse. He said it's definitely receding. It's definitely regressing. He goes, I've seen it. He goes, like, you know what it is? It's the homeless people. Come. This is his interpretation. He goes, by the way, this is just a guy I bought a sandwich from. Oh, really? <laughs> I thought, this is not a guy who's necessarily qualified anyway, but his name's Larry. Uh, Larry, who sold me a sandwich. He says, uh, you know, it's uh, regressing. He said that. Homeless people come, and this is my theory as well. Yeah. They come from other places to be here because it's uh, it's good homelessness. Mm-hmm. You know, it's good it's yeah. good homeless living here. 
all things considered, it seems like this is a pretty good, aside from the cold, a pretty good place to be homeless. I think a lot of people yeah. stayed after, uh, what do you call it, Occupy Wall Street. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, people were hanging out in the parks. And, and it used to be what, Union Square. It was pretty... It was happening. It was noise. There's students. There's bongos. There's chess. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of weed. And now it's like there's fucking scumbags and predators and people looking around with a hungry look in their eye, you know, and mm-hmm. sizing everything up. It's uh, different. Well, if you're down in Brooklyn, uh, say uh, Borough Hall, you know, oh, you're going down there. Borough Hall Station. And when you get out of Borough Hall, you're in uh, Christopher Columbus Park. Now, this is all true. <laughs> this is all, these are true facts. I believe these. About Brooklyn things. Now, find your way out of the park, okay? So if you leave Christopher Columbus Park and you go to the west side of the park, and depending on where you come out, it'll either be Court Street or Cadman Plaza West. Go right, head due north. Turn right onto Pierre Pont Street on your left. Now, it's named for Hezekiah Beers Pierre Pont. When Brooklyn first got its city charter in 1834, Pierre Pont... <laughs> was part of the group who sold the land to the new city of Brooklyn, where City Hall will be built right there. So he's a big part of the formation of the city. He was born in New Haven into a long-established New England family, and he made some money speculating on the national debt. Now it sounds like betting against the country, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a bit of a dick, in my opinion, already. I don't like this guy. No, I don't like him. But when he was 25, he set out on a, car- he set out on a career as a merchant adventurer. Hmm. This guy, Pierre Pont. Hezekiah Beers, Pierre Pont, Merchant Adventurer. He what moved. A lousy title. Yeah. <laughs> Cumbersome. I'm a, I'm a merchant adventurer. Oh, <laughs> okay. Pierre Pont. He moved to Paris, as most of us do when we go through our merchant adventurer stage. And while he was uh, out merchant adventuring in the China Sea, his ship was captured by privateers. He lost everything. Privateers are pirates that are hired by a government. Hmm. And they are just empowered to take everything. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So he's broke, moved to Brooklyn, 1802. And with his adventuring career over, he decided to marry a rich girl from a prominent family. Talking about Hezekiah Beers, Pierre Pont, marrying a prominent family, a girl from a prominent family, marrying into it. He married a rich girl, Anna Marie Constable, mm-hmm. from a New York merchant and landowning family. And her dad gave him, as a wedding gift, half a million acres of land upstate. Where you live. That's right. And now that he was flush, he bought 60 acres in Brooklyn and he built a mansion. And a guy named Robert Fulton was starting a steam ferry between Manhattan and Brooklyn. And you could get to your office downtown more quickly by ferry from Brooklyn than you could by land from the Upper East Side. Okay. So there's a ferry now. Yes. There's Pierre Pont, where in the early 19th century, he's married now. He's no longer merchant adventuring. Mm -mm. He has 60 acres and he's got a mansion. He's got some land upstate. He's a big shot because he married this fucking chick who, let's face it, she ain't all that, I assume. Now, Pierre Pont saw that the ferry, it's like, man, that's going to have a positive. That's My property value is going to go up. Invest heavily in Fulton's company. Mm-hmm. 1816, Brooklyn gets that charter as a village. And this helped Brooklyn Heights become New York City's first a commuter suburb. Brooklyn Heights. Yeah. First commuter suburb in New York City. And there were only seven houses there in 1807. By 1860, there were 600. It really grew fast. It's insane. Yeah. It's crazy. You uh, spend a little time in Brooklyn? Yeah. And I, I had to picture that. So what, I, what I'm doing right now is I'm listening to you is like peeling away all the urban shit. And he just pictures his land. It's mm-hmm. fucking weird. Mm-hmm. It's gone pretty far. Now you can piss all over the streets there. It's, it's cool. only, uh, you know, what, 200 years? Less than 200 years, I guess. Yeah. Around 200. Well... Then the Heights got a big boost. Brooklyn Heights got a big boost from the yellow fever epidemic of 1822. Yellow fever was apparently <laughs> a pretty nasty disease. People had a strong dread of it by 1822. First of all, the word fever had a different connotative meaning 200 years ago. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. We can control fever now over the counter medications and everything, but it wasn't understood as a symptom then. It was kind of like disease itself. Right. To have a fever was like having cancer. Literally, they, it was conceived in the same way you had cancer, like that death would be kind of what's going to happen next yeah. if you had a fever. So yellow fever hit hard in large port cities, according to what I read. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, uh, it came from the West Indies, and they were a trade partner, so it was right there in the, in the ports. 
and uh, there were some environmental factors. Yellow fever spread by a particular mosquito, which is, uh, it thrives in an urban habitat. It lives indoors while it breeds in clean standing water, and there was a lot of those. I cisterns were a prominent feature of many homes, and the mosquito fe- feeds during the day, so rush hour was a big blood feast. Mm-hmm. Just a city mouse. Yeah. You know, the yellow fever epidemic of uh, the first one came, 1793, is where it like really started to be a thing. Sailed up from the Caribbean island of San Domingo, which is divided east and west, Spanish and French, respectively. This is where it gets interesting. Because mm-hmm. in 1789... There's a French colony down there, and it produces 60% of the world's coffee, 40% of the world's sugar. And uh, I'm not trying to sound like your history teacher here, but it was the wealthiest and most profitable colony in the Caribbean. And you know what made that possible? What's that? Slave labor. That's correct. (laughs) Slave labor can really... I, you know, it can really improve your business model. <laughs> it's like... Whatever happened in the good old days. If you have some slaves, man, you can really put out some product and make some money. But just a few, right? No. I mean, if you, if you have a few, sure. But if you have as many as they had, 452,000 slaves down there. There must have been plenty of more slave owners. There was only 32,000. <laughs> 32,000 French colonists. That's including wives and children running the government, the plantations, everything. 452,000 slaves, black slaves from like from Africa and whatnot. Yeah. Well, the revolution then began with a slave uprising in 1791. It ended in, in January of uh, 1804 when there was a rebel leader named Jean-Jacques Dessalines, something I don't know. He declared Haiti a free republic. I didn't know about how Haiti got started. This yeah, is how. Me yeah. Well, that's a, it's only the second in, independent nation in the Americas. The only nation ever created out of a successful slave uprising. Many of my listeners already know this. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> and like, but, you know, interesting to me. Our Declaration of Independence says all men are created equal, and the French had a similar thing where they said men are born and remain free and equal. And then both of them, we continued having slaves. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that worked then. However, this guy, this new uh, guy who took over in Haiti, he had a secretary, and he said this, okay? This is a quote from a guy who worked right under the, the new guy in Haiti who took over the country. He says, uh, for our Declaration of Independence, mm-hmm. we should have the skin of a white man for parchment, <laughs> his skull for an inkwell, his blood for ink, and a bayonet for a pen. That's like the first metal song ever written. <laughs> <laughs> Dessalines then... Uh, conducted a massacre of all remaining white people. Hmm. Even those who have been sympathetic, women and children, about 5,000 slaughtered in a declared genocide of white people. White genocide? Well, that, that was, that's just, it's, it's almost, it's, it makes me shudder. There was an exception for some doctors and, uh, you know, white women who would marry black dudes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it was. I read about it in your history books. Desalina set himself up as a dictator. He proclaimed the mastery of the state over the individual and ordered that effective immediately every citizen would belong to one of two categories, laborer or soldier. All laborers would be bound to a plantation. Free at last. <laughs> I mean, wow. he basically just... Reslaved? Yes. He repackaged. Yes. Right. He repackaged. <laughs> he did shorten the workday by a third... And he abolished the whip, <laughs> mostly symbolic, since the plantation overseers they had these thick vines called, uh, you know, lianes, which were which were abundant. I thought about that too. It's like, it, say you're a slave, right? You're already pretty bummed out, and then you see one of your overseers like pick out like a nice, like really gnarly looking one that he's proud of. Mm. All the other overseers are kind of jealous of it, like, oh, I wish I found that one. Man, and then you're like, he's gonna fucking, he's gonna want to use that. Yeah, he's gonna you try know? it out right away. <laughs> he's like. Uh, Ryan, come here. <laughs> oh, shit. Here it comes. Now, I want you to bend over that log. I don't like Rod Chill. Yeah, it's like a, a still a southern guy. It was, it was in, in fact, uh, the, the, at this point, the, the, the overseers were, you know, black were black. Or? It was black, black on black slavery. That's crazy Except stuff. they didn't call it slavery. Mm. They called it, uh, I mean. Labor. <laughs> it's just uh, you're assigned. One or the other, mastery of the state over you, don't worry about it, just do what we say. Yeah. Now, when the slave insurrection began in 1791, obviously some people fled. A few thousand came to Philadelphia. And one source I found put it this way in 1793, people 
of the French uh, Caribbean colony of Saint-Domingue, that's now Haiti, were fleeing a revolution from France, and thousands of infected individuals landed in uh, Philadelphia docks. And this, combined with the dry, hot weather and low water tables of 1793, created the perfect breeding grounds for mosquitoes and spread of yellow fever. At that time, 50,000 people lived in Philly. About 5,000 died between August and October, 10%, until a frost nipped it. And then Philly was also the capital at the time. And George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, they, they fucking left. 20,000 people mm-hmm. left, including those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Philadelphia was the largest city in America, but I guess that ended then. And it was it got so bad, no one wanted guests from Philadelphia. Like, they wouldn't even, like, D.C., Baltimore, New York, they turned people away at gunpoint. Wow. Like, tough shit. Like, you got the plague. <laughs> Deal with it. And it hit New York City in 1795, killing 732 of a population of 50,000. Okay. Damn. Not that bad. 732 people, whatever. But Damn. it hit epidemic levels in several other years and in and out, you know. I think the worst it says is uh, 2,086 people died in 1798. It's a lot of dry facts and numbers. Yeah, but the second time that happened, so they had 50,000. 20,000 fled the city and 5,000 were killed. So they, That's Philadelphia. Philadelphia. So mm-hmm. half the population was just decimated. Ghost town. Yeah, it was really quiet and there's Jeez. a lot of dead bodies. Right. Because all the, all the fewer people to deal with, you know, what's left behind there. Shit. Um, it's, it's, it was bad news. So by 1822, the last yellow fever breakout occurred. New Yorkers had kind of a lot of experience. A fever had some pretty gruesome symptoms. It wasn't like a nice way to die. It started with head pain, nausea, general debility, and then people would feel better. Like, they kind of like be, oh, I think I'm good. Right. I'm over it. And then they'd walk out of the street and drop dead. <laughs> like, you'd think you were getting well, and then you'd turn yellow, and then you'd vomit, and it would come out black. And you'd vomit this black blood and bleed from every orifice of your body, your pores. And then and then it would start to get ugly. <laughs> and, and obviously, you want to get away from people like that. So anyone with money, they went to their country houses, a little hamlet north of the city called what? Greenwich Village, oh, okay, which is actually way downtown now because we That's moved really upward. Weird. But yeah. at the time, it was that was uptown. That was that was north of the city. The Greenwich Village was like a lot of um, cow paths and shit like that. That's wow. why it's not on a grid as as much as the rest of the city. But uh, if you're trying to escape the deadly pestilence, how much better to cross a river and go to Brooklyn Heights, <laughs> the high sandy bank of the native Lenape Indians, the American Indians. Now filled to brimming with Manhattan dandies who left Manhattan for an area which claimed to be elevated and perfectly healthy for all seasons. A select neighborhood and circle of society. Select. Uh. And so was born Brooklyn snobbery. <laughs> That's how Brooklyn got to be dicks. <laughs> it became Brooklyn's cultural and financial center. Right there, Brooklyn Heights. And then it gave offshoots, uh, like, gave rise to like uh, Cobble Hill, Carroll Gardens, shit like that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of um, pre-Civil War houses there in Brooklyn Heights. It's one of the largest in the... It's like on the National Registry of Historic Places and everything. It's like a fucking thing. Yeah. The Gothic Revival uh, fucking started there. The Unitarian Church right there. Now, you can see that on your right. Check that out. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty cool. So back to directions. And now we're back to directions. And if you get past that church on the right, Mm -hmm. you'll find... And then we're on Pierre Pont, a private preschool which costs $24,000 a year. Twenty four thousand dollars a year for a preschool. Reasonable. Yeah, they'll be told how many fingers are on their hand. <laughs> Beyond, they might learn. They might learn a song about it. They'll color with a jumbo crayon, Crayola. <laughs> <laughs> Learning to cut with scissors, glue things. There are life skills that they'll be using throughout their lives. They'll become socialized. These kids, $24,000 a year, they're learning to urinate in public. It's not necessary to pull your pants down all the way while taking a standing pee. More than that, it's considered bad form. More than that, don't do it ever. That's what they, that was the the way that that was explained to various kids. I was like, you don't have to pull your pants all the way down. Right, right. It's really not a good idea to do. Don't, don't do it. Do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's like the kid, what do you expect the kid to take a hint? Do you think subtlety right. is gonna? This kid has his pants down to his ankles. Sounded pretty optional to me. I'm just gonna, you know, <laughs> right. Oh, but it's good. okay if I. Oh, it's not okay. It's frowned upon. It's like, make What's up your, the level of? Yeah. Make up your fucking mind. I'm a fucking kid going to a twenty-four thousand dollars school. I, I, I'll get it. Just to, obviously, I'm upper crust. 
And then there's the finer points of taking a piss in public, like pretending to wash your hands because there's people around. You know, it's, it's, it's more than just learning their colors. They learn about color, right? They'll, they'll learn to meet other kids from across the racial spectrum. There's a whole rainbow. They'll, they'll learn that white, black, brown, or other, all kids who attend a $24,000 a year preschool are the same. Mm-hmm. A deranged loner. Now who has twice entered the school, shrieking in the hallways, hiding in the bathrooms, claiming to be God's messenger, for all we know he is. (laughs) The parents of the small, privileged, appropriately pissing children who attend, they they attend this place. It's called Imagine Early Learning Center. And and Hmm. they're in a panic. In fact, the school administrators, in an effort to calm panicked parents Mm -hmm. and reassure them that they have the situation in hand, installed a panic button oh good wired up directly to their local precinct so in the very likely case that this clearly disturbed presumably dangerous and obsessed individual should breach the school's obviously inadequate security we have taken a step of installing a device to indicate when we are definitively in a state of panic (laughs) feel better rest assured we will we fully expect this psycho to return and as a messenger of God, we can only assume he'll be frustrated by police interference of him delivering whatever twisted, garbled message cooked up in the mind of a raving lunatic, which he believes is so important that we can only expect him to be emboldened as well by his being released twice without bail by the judge. So it seems fairly inevitable that we will be at the highest level of the school's administration panicked by his presence when he does return. We won't hesitate to panic and indicate our panic by pushing our newly installed panic button. <laughs> Um, you know, I don't know. Um, that is strange. You have a, an arrest record of all. Have you ever gone to jail? Me? No. And now I, I haven't gone to jail since I was 18. Mm-hmm. I've never. Four? Oh, I was a uh, public drunk. Oh, really? Yeah. I think drinking in a hotel. Uh, 43-year-old Alex Covner here been arrested twice over incidents which occurred at the school. On his first, he came into the school, he screamed profanities in the hall. It was Friday the 13th, and he actually mentioned that to a staffer. Uh, police reporter said he, he yeah well, what? I don't know what it's like he Just reminded them yeah it's like hey it's Friday the 13th weird huh because I'm here shrieking in the hallway right <laughs> <laughs> didn't that make it extra creepy <laughs> uh, he's right the police report stated he walked through the daycare yelling obscenities and acting belligerent causing the daycare to be locked down several school sources claim he came dangerously close to the kids police were called after a staff member locked him in a gym area hmm. I guess uh that was, you know, that's the way they dealt with it. They didn't, have, they, they didn't have a panic button at the time, so what are they going to do? Uh, Covenant was arrested, charged with acting in a manner injurious to a child. He was released without bail. The next day, he was back. What? Which I guess was Saturday the 14th, and the kids right. were not there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he locked himself in a bathroom, and he was again arrested, this time charged with criminal trespassing. Now, during one of his invasions, he stole a toy. <laughs> he said the children don't belong in the school. <laughs> Uh, when they found this toy in the backpack that he that he was carrying, uh, and he, you know during his arrest or whatever, the the, the mom became hysterical, and uh, they, you know that they could get so close. To, that's the problem with hysteria; they don't make a button for it. <laughs> but he was held in jail for a week pending a psychiatric exam. <laughs> so they have the button for the panic, but not hysteria. <laughs> yeah, no, they no, need two buttons. They need a hysteria button <laughs> and, and and a freaked out button. That's true. Uh, this is your people are freaked out knowing he's out there and obviously has some sort of obsession with the school is very scary <laughs> many moms and dads were so fearful they kept their kids home i guess they didn't hear about the panic button <laughs> well uh after it, now he was released without bail and and they kind of the, the post made a lot of uh a, you know sort of to do about that because like i guess the, the the judge is like a new judge or something and <laughs> um you know the jurist it says was unmoved by the prosecutor's arguments for a thousand dollars bail, even, and uh, the guy's apparently unstable. The picture of him is really creepy too. He's this creepy, white uh, bangs, you know, just kind of like a fucking. He looks like the lost Ramon, <laughs> <laughs> kind of, you know, but with like sh- just the Ramones with a- are scary, dude. <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty fucking gnarly. Hey, Johnny Ramon would fucking whip your ass and yeah. fuck your girlfriend. Well, Johnny looks. Oh, Didi's the one who's like, yeah, he started with his rap career and. Yeah, he, he was a good rapper. That guy was the original fucking rapper. D.D. Uh, Ramon. I saw the Ramones uh, in no. the 90s a couple of times. Yeah, really? yeah, sure did. I saw them first time. They were at this place called uh, The Masquerade down in Atlanta. And yeah. It was like 90, I guess. Then. And man, that was a great show. Watching the Ramones come out is pretty exciting. Original lineup? 
No, uh, CJ was there at that point. Yeah, so they they had replaced him. Um, uh, Dee Dee, I think he was dead yet, but he was replaced. Right, Johnny was there. Johnny was there. Joey, and and that was kind of the same lineup when I saw him the second time. They were, it was a three band bill. Tom Tom Club, which I, I couldn't fucking... I think I know one song by Tom Tom Club, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're in the 80s. Yeah, they had some. Oh, God, I can't think of the name of it, and I'm not going to sing it. And then and then Blondie was the really? second group. Yeah, Blondie. It's a pretty good fucking show. The tour was called Escape from New York. Mm-hmm. And then there was the Ramones, and they were great. That was Lakewood Amphitheater 1991. They were headlining? Nobody is listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> the listening to this show has ended, and uh, and I can't say I blame you. I would have turned it off around that Brooklyn thing. <laughs> I get started writing on things sometimes, and I'm like, this is fascinating. Right. And then I think I get insecure about, like, this isn't, not, nobody's dying or getting raped here. Right, right. And then I just bulldoze through it, and then people go, why why bother? It really is. And the, the coincidence of the topic is a dream, but it's like when you have a cool dream and you start telling it, and then I fucking, and, and then you just, you lose just all. <laughs> you're right. I'm a maniac. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you lose. You, you, you just, it's like you spilled out all your fucking, right. Right. well, man, I guess uh, nobody's listening. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, Ryan, here's the thing about you. Yes. You have a huge career ahead of you. Uh, all you have to do is not jump off the top of a building while you're on mushrooms or something. <laughs> okay. Not, uh, you know, get, uh, you just, just, just uh, I, you do some drugs, right? Yeah, a little bit. And, and you know, no, not to, I don't think, there's nobody's going to tell nobody on listening, you. There's no snitches. Nobody's listening now anyway. It's just you and me. You're right. And you've done ketamine? Yeah, yeah. What is that like? It's um, it's a disassociative. <laughs> like that? That's how I got my <laughs> Jones impression. <laughs> Slick, I'm now on ketamine. That is K-E-T-A-L-M. <laughs> it's really cool because like, when you take ketamine, eventually you have nothing to do with yourself. So you're now experiencing life through like an unbiased scope. Where do I get ketamine? <laughs> it's a dream come true. It, it really is kind of cool. Because you never realize that I need to take a break from myself. You don't really. So all of your baggage and all of your guilt and all of your pride even, it's just irrelevant. Uh, ketamine was like a horse tranquilizer originally. Yeah. What, that was my understanding. I don't know if that's uh, that's not just a myth. No, no. That's it. And um, yeah, I guess you need to tranquilize a horse. Uh, if <laughs> Sometimes they're stressed out. You that's know, like I got a big yeah. race coming up and it's right. oh, fuck, what's going to happen? I gotta, Disassociate the jockey is putting on weight. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm really freaking out. Yeah. Like, okay, My shoes don't me. fit. And the horse is like, <laughs> Wilbur. <laughs> well, that's coming out. <laughs> the Mr. Ed reference. Yeah, and the, you're a young man. Yes. No excuse for me making a Mr. Ed reference, let alone you. Right. You know, uh, there was a show when I was a kid called Family Affair. You ever seen that? That sounds super familiar. And there was Buffy and Jody, and there was a red hair girl named Sissy. Now, that girl was straight up fuckable, Sissy was. I mean, she was a fucking cutie. And I think it was her. She died of a drug overdose. Oh, shit. And uh, Brian Keith was the dad, and then there was Mr. French, the creepiest fucking butler ever. Uh-huh. And he was such a fucking... Uh, like beloved part of the family, but I'm like, Mr. French is fucking creepy. It was Nick and Knight. I must have seen that show. Yeah. Even the way the show started, it was very like psychedelic looking kind of. <laughs> like it was like, uh, I don't really, the the music isn't important, but it was just very generic kind of and like uh, produced and there's like colors and shit and <laughs> family <laughs> affair. Well, Mr. French. Mr. French. They were so happy to see him. <laughs> And I tell you, the, the kids they hired to be Brian Keith's little bastard kids mm-hmm. were so dead on perfect to be Brian really? Keith's kids. You know, Brian Keith has that kind of like, that look kind of like, Brian Keith only looks like he's about to punch you, you know what I mean? Like, even <laughs> if he smiles, he's got a winds to it, like, my right. back hurts, leave me alone. <laughs> and, uh, and the kids, are in the, like, especially Jody, because right. he would be the boy, he had that kind of fucking, you know. He's seven, but I mean, I, so he took I that on. He's always got that whole, yeah, yeah. Steal your toy, motherfucker. Now what, now, what shows were big when you were a kid? I liked, uh, well, I, I was always kind of weird. I was kind of digging for old shit. So, All in the Family was fucking awesome. I used to love that. Yeah. yeah. All in the Family is a great show. It's underrated. Uh, and uh, these days, uh, it's, you know, the funny thing about it, it never would, could fly now. And uh, mm-hmm. people say that all the time, but it just couldn't. You could yeah. not. You can't. No way. How the fuck? 
are we getting more restrictive about what we can it's, show? It's really a bummer. And it doesn't help anything. It doesn't make a discussion. You know what I mean? Uh, there's that clip of Nixon talking about all in the family. There's nothing to talk about. If the president wanted to talk about TV, there's there's nothing of value that that's critical thinking out there. Mm-hmm. So they, they put Archie Bunker, he was the, the main character of this, and he was the one that was like the anti-hero. He was saying everything unpopular, you know? So it's But it stirred up a conversation. I remember... Um, uh, what's it called? Meathead. His son-in-law had like a gay friend, and he's like, "Meathead, your friend Steve is a fag." And he's like, "He's like what? Gotcha? Because he's got glasses? No, a guy with glasses is a full rise. A guy who's a queer is a fag. <laughs> it's the best line <laughs> in the fucking world." And uh, there's that. A guy who's a queer is a fag. And then he called. And then after, right after that, he calls England an entire fag country. Yeah, it's amazing. And and and. <laughs> as true as that is to say it it would be just a real i don't know some sort of a problem direct declaration of war against the social justice warriors and stuff and like you know it's i feel as if there were people who who listened to the show who used to listen to the show and and i would see occasionally people say well he has gotten more of this this i don't think that i have gotten more like whatever it is you're not supposed to be doing unfavorably opinionated Something like that. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that everybody else changed hmm. and tightened up. Wow, good you point. Know? Yeah, because I don't I don't feel any different. I feel Not like really. I've cut it back, so because I don't want to. Maybe because I'm aware that you know what I mean. There's a, some kind of subliminal filter that is limiting me a little bit. Yeah, you know? I mean that's that's bound to happen. Yeah. Uh, I think that and and except for, you know, some people will actually turn it up mm-hmm. because they they resent that so much. You know, I yeah, think like, like when you feel like restricted or something like that blow it out it's an interesting phenomenon i've done it before when i'm like at a comedy show and it's not to say like uh, i've ever had a bad show because i haven't mm. but i have had <laughs> shows where people weren't buying it as instantly and i'm performing it's not you know, okay I don't like, I they don't really like me very much and they're like okay. next thing you know you're going you know what <laughs> my taint <Yeah>. is right <laughs> and you know and you're acting like a chimp <laughs> <laughs> and just going and, and, and talking about these violent things yeah. and, and, and bloody uh, things and, and sex and horribleness. And then... Uh, You're basically throwing your shit at them verbally. Exactly. Yeah. I've seen it done and I've done it. And then sometimes they uh, come along and sometimes <laughs> it just... It turns into a fucking standoff. And you're, <laughs> and you're like, well, yeah. you know, I guess we fought this to a draw. <laughs> I just love the microphone. So fuck you guys. Yeah. I think I won. I still get my twenty five dollars. I think that hasn't happened in a long time. I usually don't do that, and and like uh, it's different now. It's 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 weird. I haven't really felt restricted in anything that that you know that I would say. That's good. But I've noticed that that there certainly is like a that like my wife gets nervous for me a lot. She's always right. like, "Don't say that," and I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, okay, don't defend me if you don't want to. It's right, fine. Right. We're separate people, but together. Yeah, it's separate gonna be okay. People. Yeah, you know, separate, but you know, yeah." I'm almost as high as her in their relationship. <laughs> She's got a little edge on me. You know, and to look, I mean, you know, this is the thing about All in the Family is it started out as like a, he wasn't supposed to be an anti-hero. He was supposed to be a dick. Mm. He was supposed to be a guy with no redeeming qualities at all. <laughs> right. That Norman Lear could use as the mouthpiece to mock the whole, uh-huh. you know, right side and people liked it dude they loved it and that's what donald trump is doing yeah he's the original <laughs> trump he really is. He is he's doing the archie bunker fucking get it you're in my chair meathead he's trying to get mexicans what out we of his need chair to do it. No, that's the worst fucking right. give, give me a better archie bunker eat it <laughs> eat it the mexicans are sitting on my wall eat i it. can't breathe yeah well, anybody that was listening, <laughs> <laughs> we lost them all. Not bad. It's all over. Uh, hey, Ryan. Um, yes. We'll be able to, uh, you know, see you on some upcoming episodes of New York City Crime Report, NYC right. Crime Report, right here at the CompoundMedia.com, and, and listen, it's worth it because there's a lot of back episodes. Twenty, what? I guess the, we're up to episode thirty-three now. Mm. Thirty-two hours plus. Yeah. Way more than thirty-two hours. Of New York City Crime Report shows that you can watch with a desk and guests, and not only that, but people who shrink and <laughs> weird shit with a green screen. It's always something occasionally. Different. There's like fucking nudity sometimes. It's like we can do anything we want. Yeah. And uh, 
and it's right here and it's like six bucks a month seven bucks a month just fucking do it you'll be happy you did you can also see some other great programming and um, that's the deal so uh, I, never, I never did a plug before can you can you pretend that just lob, lob a softball a plug so what do you got going on right now? yeah well uh, and, and I'm sure people are wondering you know like what are you up to these days oh well uh, I'm gonna be on the uh, appearing on the New York City Crime Report uh, that will be on the Compound Media, so you could sign up there. It's it's less than eight dollars a month, and you get uh, access to, I believe, six or seven different shows right now, all archived and live streaming content. Um, and uh, you should be a part of the. Uh, well, amazing, you know. And I'll tell you something about this: is it's like it's a kind of programming that you just can't get anywhere else. You can get it in audio, you can watch it in video. Either one, it's much better to watch. And, and watching it, it's a lot of fun. So uh, that said, I'll see you on Monday. That is. Uh, the 20th, or 13th, rather. You'll be here the 13th? This coming? Or no? Well, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Because you're you're welcome anytime on the show. Thanks, man. That's, uh, yeah, thanks one, one more time, Ryan. Can I thank Katsu. you publicly on the oh. podcast? You could edit it out. Sure, go ahead. If you want to. Yeah, but thanks. This is so uh, cool. Thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report.